Hey everybody, we have a really good episode for you today. After we recorded, we had we had some developments, some I was kind of brainstorming some stuff with people on on Discord and thinking about different uh, ticketing structures and stuff. What happens after the original uh, two twenty two? Uh, tickets are sold and we we've been talking about getting the gift bags together and and everything else and just because i don't want to give you uh, i want to give you guys a heads up so those of you that have been waiting and considering the 222 uh, uh a heads up on one of the things that you'll get there's a there's going to be a lot of surprises about one of the things that you will uh be getting uh in the 222 club if you go to mindunderpod.com and check out the camp out september 9th through 11th 8th if you're a patreon member and camping until the 12th one of the things that um you will get is a custom lost sailor design keychain lost sailor design is an amazing leather worker who i've worked with for years if you came to like my good trip tour or anything you would have seen i had his stuff on display i've i've bought like purses as gifts for uh like past girlfriends and things like that from him and all sorts of belts and things his stuff's incredible and so it's just a keychain, right? Who cares about just a keychain? Well, this is a special one. This is your uh, little token to show us that you were one of the original 222. That's going to guarantee you more hugs from me. But if you want more tangible things other than like, hey, if you're an original 222 and I'm performing in your area, hit me up. Maybe I have some extra comps or something like that that I can give to our OG 222 and and you'll have that little token five years from now when you come back to uh the mom camp out everyone will know you're one of the ogs but here's some tangible stuff we're doing a raffle so each one of those uh from one to 222 is marked in the order that they are bought and signed by ramin and i and we're having a raffle um so we'll pick a number one through 222 and they will have some merch giveaways and some other fun stuff that we're planning but we're going to have a grand prize of being an honorary lunatic meaning you get one of three existing custom uh straight mind under matter straight jackets so uh these are uh, three of a kind thing they're all unique um and banana's been dyeing them we're, we're adding uh some uh, logos and stuff to them soon and so not only that but we also have been figuring out how to like when we have like say a pig roast where we don't have enough to potentially feed everyone in the whole festival or whatever we're going to have special kind of vip events for those 222 keychain holders so you'll need that to get access including an area a mystery area it's not even on the map but it should be and it has a, a limited air it's we just want it to be a surprise but there's limited space there and the 222 will have privileged access to that 
area. So if there's a line or whatever, you go right to the front of it. So go to mindunderpod.com, check out Become One of the 222, and you're also just helping us plan more. So the sooner you, you get those, the sooner we're able to like, okay, now we can put a deposit on this or get this bigger band or add these fun decorations or whatever, because budgeting for a festival is a tricky thing. So it also helps us out um, in, in terms of preparing a better festival for you so it helps you helps us and uh lots more info on um, other things related to the festival coming soon enjoy today's episode <laughs> feels good doesn't it feels good to start zipping doesn't feel good to say hello and welcome and uh... but if you say zippity bim bam boom then you're feeling good all over if you're watching on video rewind to this and look at the satisfaction on Ramin's face when I started sipping and sapping it was an interesting look too because it was like a it was satisfaction mixed with a like I knew you'd get there one day (laughs) I knew you would come around uh welcome to the show everybody on the intro that was julia if you're looking for them on spotify julia with a period at the end uh that's the name of the band it's julia the band on instagram uh they are one of the many bands coming to perform at the mind under matter Campout. found them i was sorting through um a bunch of local bands had uh had a few people recommend them followed them on instagram and then the drummer was like oh wow i can't believe you followed us i was gonna come to your camp out and stuff anyway and and then i was like do you want to play great uh, because <laughs> a lot of people have been talking about you so um so yes yeah, that so makes us look good popular. and them good yeah, they're they're mummies already. They got uh, their popular up and coming band that it seems like I it, it, it's it's a there's a pretty nice scene here in North Korea because I go around to a lot of different things and people will be like, well, who's playing at your band? And I'll list off things and people often Corn. know the bands that that were that were referencing which i didn't know until i came here so it's it's uh it's pretty awesome that we can get um local up-and-comers and they have a really great scene here and so much diversity and everything and i'm also pumped that people uh liked desert honey so much got a lot of good feedback on desert honey and that one oh, yeah, feels has special to be expected. when you like discover something you know like when you turn someone on uh, on to uh to a new thing or 
also because when you discover a thing it's also like yours it's a, that actually has to do with a, a little bit of some of the stuff we'll be talking about today which is a lot of behavioral economics stuff um but there's an aspect about that of like you, you got to be careful about how precious your ideas are or your attachments to things are you know so i'm always like well i like this and I usually trust my intuition, but I also can't, I have to understand that everyone has different tastes and everything else. And so I was very excited yeah. about the positive response that we've got. It starts as, you know, recommending everything. Like when you're a kid, like you got to check this out. This is great. And then after rejections and seeing that the <laughs> expression on the person's oh. face that you're playing the music for doesn't like it, then you like start to go back into your cave a little bit and never share anything again. And then you meet in the middle and go like, well, it's, you might not be into it but here check this out maybe yeah and you figure out the right way to lead people into things too and depending on what they like that and yeah it's Do you know what young guru does who is uh he's jay-z's producer and sound engineer and i don't know a bunch of other people's jay-z is the main one i remember but uh he says he never tells someone hey listen to this he just plays it and then if the person reacts that means it's good and if they don't react that means it ain't doing it so you don't like mm. you don't prime the person like what do you think it's it's just happening uh. and he's uh he's done this uh, i think it's a story with jay-z where jay-z thought something was great and then uh to prove him wrong he just went outside and just played it for some people and then they were like yes yeah, what is that stupid and then Jay-Z like <laughs> went back into the recording studio with his head down. <laughs> Yo, what is that? That's, That's so weird. <laughs> because as a comic, I mean, we do the same thing and we have jokes that are way too precious for us and everything. But also there's some things that I'm like, well, I know this is funny. Doesn't really matter if this audience isn't digging it tonight. And then other times it's like, uh, that's valuable feedback. Maybe I did use too many words there or the connection isn't you, you assume there's two mistakes that you can make is, is thinking that the audience is like, uh, not going to get your reference. And then the other one is just assuming like, Oh, everyone just knows the contents that are in my brain already. So I'll just blab like everyone knows this concept. And yeah. then it goes over people's heads and it's not their fault. And it's just you're missing a connection. Um, that is such but, a delicate balance of because you can't just assume like, well, the audience is blank slate. I cannot reference any TV show or pop culture moment or a scientific discovery mm -hmm. because they don't know any of that. And then you can't do it to where they're because if their brain was matched with you, nothing you said would be a surprise. It would just be like, mm -hmm. yes, I also think that and thought of that joke but it made me think of this moment in that carlin documentary where towards the end he was just doing what he wanted to do even if it was long rants about the military industrial complex or religion or whatever and he said i'm here for me you're here for me and no one's here for you <laughs> as he's just going through stuff in a notebook but people really laughed at that line because you're like oh okay i, I respect that 
a commitment and authenticity to doing what you want. Did you see Norm McDonald's uh, thing? The uh, new Netflix one? Yeah, yeah. I'll try it again. I couldn't because I was disappointed when I pressed play and it's him just recording it in yeah. front of a computer webcam. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not in the mood for that. I'll do that in the background, but I'm not going to play that on the big screen. Like, Yeah, that made me like a little it, it sad. And then it also just was, it also was like, well, I'm glad I didn't stick a bunch of effort into virtual stand-up comedy shows like <laughs> a lot of like a lot of people did. I was like angry about it early on. I was very vocal on Twitter. Like, what are you <laughs> nope? Use your creativity. Figure something else out. It's not virtual stand-up. That's not how this is going. That's not this yeah. is not the end end game. It's not it's just not going to work out. We'll all be in space suits in the audience before virtual stand up. Now uh, that becomes, I would see. Like, yeah, yeah. Especially with this um, new BA five variant. Not to get into that, but just just dating ourselves. We're not dating ourselves. What is it? Not dating ourselves, uh, time stamping ourselves, solidifying this episode in this particular era. Like, oh, that episode came out when they just announced the BI5 variant yeah, before it. That's, wiped that's out just half how we talk. Right. Yeah. The, well, there's a. Uh, 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 do you have any like BA nine goals? Like, where would you like to be in your life when <laughs> BA nine rolls around? That's just how we think about things. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'd like to have twenty percent less brain fog. That's it. <laughs> my, well, my five variant plan is <laughs> five variants from now. I would like to have this going on in my life. What a what a bizarre time, and it's and it's boy, our whew, yeah. I I hope they improve ventilation everywhere, uh, and I'm not sure that they're going to, but maybe one country will, and then everyone else will start following suit. It'll just take so long to do, but so it's necessary. People don't want to wear masks. They also don't want to be dying and sick all of the time. Can't Dyson invent something? Like Dyson vacuums just make some little sphere that you can put in any building that like sucks the bad uh, ventilation and then uses I mean, a vortex to it's all about vortexes. Get a vortex in there and then it'll tornado it out into good air. I think those HEPA filters do a pretty good job. They they discovered that that was a thing from hospitals because people would get sick in like other wings of a hospital from like a rare disease that someone had in, you know, the 200 yards away or whatever. Different nurses, different doctors, everything. And they're like, what the hell is going on here? The more you oh. hear about old medicine, the more you think like, wasn't it, wouldn't it have been better to just do none of it? Like the leeches, the not washing your hands, the ventilation going around. Like it seems like it would have been safer to just stay in your cabin. In, in, not really. In That's many, just a you know a in strong many regards. Bit, yeah, but it's. I mean, it it just there were a lot of things. Vaccines came around pretty early, and those were good. Hand sanitation came around pretty early. Those were good. Then there was like, we, we'll we'll do an episode sometime of just like horrifying mistakes that were made 
um along the way like uh you want one one quick one yes um I, i feel like maybe i've already talked about this but just in case there there was um there was, by the way, we're talking about behavioral economics at some point today, but we're doing our usual riffing. Look at the cover. Uh, yeah, look at the episode title. <laughs> you lazy um, buttocks. <laughs> um, so there, there was this odd thing that happened with uh, when sudden infant death syndrome first started being diagnosed. It's a thing that's always happened, but that's another thing that as medicine has progressed new things become detected and when new things become detected people are like where did this come from are our doctors and scientists just making this thing or whatever there and there there's a lot of and there's some merit to it like the dsm and and uh in therapy what's that it's the it's the book of like every diagnosable um like psychological ailment or what's it called the disease science manual i don't know what dsm stands for disease syndrome manual statistical manual for mental disorders dsm five but what what's the d oh sorry diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders oh now that'll put you to sleep (laughs) put someone to sleep in three words easy diagnostical statistical manual (laughs) like it's just brown there's no pictures not even on the cover the text is small doesn't even smell good doesn't smell bad but it doesn't smell good like a book should a strictly technical diagnostical statistical manual. <laughs> oh, we are not good at statistics. We don't take to them very well. It's it it, it may be why AI takes over is just because of its indifference toward uh, statistics and data are such an incredibly powerful tool. And we are just absolutely repulsed by it as social apes that had no use for such things. I mean, we, <laughs> we do uh, AI, that, that actually leads into what we're going to talk about today too. Go ahead. I was going to say if AI takes over, it will be a murder suicide because I can see them taking over us, but it'll break down in like four minutes. If anything, mm-hmm. I cannot see AI like just taking off and not having some update freeze and you don't know why it froze and you don't know why this software update oh, yeah. led to that. So yeah, they'll take over, but they won't last long. So we can always take comfort in that if we're afraid of a robot takeover. Yeah, we can take comfort that within within a week of them driving humans into extinction they'll have driven themselves into extinction as well so that feels easily yeah so (laughs) um so here's a horror story so there was so um there was uh like people didn't used to give bodies up for um medical science you know no people have their people have their rituals and stuff the the idea seems creepy uh, with them um we'll maybe mention the organ study uh, again today um 
but uh, so historically, it took a long time to get cadavers. Early grave robbers were like paid under the table by scientists and stuff way back in the day, just so mm-hmm. they could learn more shit. And so early cadavers were poor people um, because poor people would sell their dead because they were desperate for money. And so um, so the only uh, 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 infant cadavers that scientists were used to seeing were all poor, like impoverished from from that upbringing. And they didn't think about that. Uh, so then when sudden infant death syndrome started being diagnosed, so now wealthy people were having, um, you, you know, their children die, wanting to know what happened, wanting an autopsy. And, uh, and they would look and be like, oh, well, if you see here, the thalamus is, I don't even remember exactly what the thalamus does. But the thalamus is uh, enlarged in this baby. And so what causes this is an enlarged thalamus. And we also have this new technology called radiation, where we can like kill cells and shrink, th- and it. <laughs> shrink things. So we can, if you have enough money, we'll preemptively shrink <laughs> Your baby's thalamus, not knowing that the small thalamus they were used to seeing was a result of malnourishment. Mm. And so, so So every baby that they brought in got it. How many did it take, you think, uh, before they caught on that every baby they got the treatment? Croak. I don't have that information for you. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's books upon books written about it. Um, but it's SIDS is it's... terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you just think of just the and maybe it will be uh, pinpointed what it is. And I know there's various different reasons to it. But I mean, the word is kind of like UFO and that it's just it's sudden. We don't really know why. We have theories as to why it happened. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. sudden infant. That's your kid. Death. That's it. Not being here anymore. And then we syndrome. That, that means it's a medical. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, can you imagine your kid dies from it? And then you're like under investigation, too, at the exact same time for murdering your baby, which you did not do. Oh, that's yeah. also a thing that happens because some people do shake their babies and such, which I wonder how long people have known. <laughs> like, I don't know how, how maybe it was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you give it a good shake and it just <laughs> shuts right up. And then my I dad don't know. shook me and I became a real man. Yeah. <laughs> and I got that's always the weirdest thing when people. When people look like I was I was raised Catholic, didn't care for my upbringing, didn't care for being raised Catholic. I have friends that, you know, I was in uh, our version of Sunday school with and everything that also don't, you know, are, you know, intelligent people with good jobs that also just they don't go to church 
uh, or they didn't before they had kids or whatever. And then they have kids and they're like, well, which kids increases real religiosity probably because it's increasing your unpredictability and control in the world and, or mm. need for a feeling of it. And, and so I've heard from a lot of people like, well, you know, I turned out okay. Like, but that's not like, you don't just give your child like, traumas to overcome in the hopes yeah. that they will also turn out it's weird okay. starting it later but i mean yeah. some people have it and some people don't i guess or they go through phases yeah. of it i've never i've never connected with one thing jesus said i'd love to not like that's that's okay that's an exaggeration i'm sure there's a quote i'll be like now that's a good quote or something but you know when people that are really into jesus and then they share the bible quotes and stuff and i'm i'm trying really hard to connect to it not from a really buy into it thing but just from a you know motivational quote it, spiritual yeah, quote like standard. what does and this just, mean yeah i don't yeah. connect to it it's just not meant for me this life or yet maybe i'll be a 50 year old jesus person but it's like that Eddie Pepitone bit, like, raise your hand if you have not, if you do not have access to God. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot access God. <laughs> uh, it's better with him yelling it and whatever words he used, but he so, just opens the set with that. Uh, he's great. I got to watch his new special. Um, newest. I... So, um, here's what happened. Uh, I, I started, I started, I haven't really started booking. Most of the scientists that I've booked for the camp out so far are just friends of mine that were coming anyway. People that have been on here. We are a bunch scientists I've been friends with for years. People that I know are awesome and comfortable in that situation. Like Peter McGraw and Marty Hazelton and, and Sophia is going to be there and, and, uh, and then I, I, I'm like putting out feelers for all of my past guests and getting a bunch of suggestions and going through all of them to find the best fits and what days. And it's a, it's a lot to coordinate, but there was one person that I knew that I wanted Dan Ariely. And, uh, he was one of the first guests on my show and he was a big yet. I only got him just because I've a friend, Peter McGraw um was an old student of his and and put me in touch and did it as a favor and he was just so nice even though i was like you remember i was you were editing the here we are in the beginning i was just so nervous in the beginning it, it's still intimidating to this day but it was especially intimidating when i was starting mm. out and i just like went for it anyway um but it was scary and and he was so gracious and he's he's a best-selling author of three different books um predictably irrational um the honest truth about dishonesty and i, I can't even remember the the list doesn't he do I, cartoons I, or something too like a cartoon book yeah he he likes working with various artists i got a hold of him and right away he wrote back and wants to come he's so busy he has like 15 million his ted talks have like 15 million views and stuff that's back when that was a big number especially with ted talks and yeah things. i remember when get, we used to send ted talks to each uh, other not like you and i specifically but just like uh, people uh, like i just yeah. saw a ted talk about happiness and mm. now i mean sending anything yeah. to anyone now is a huge ask <laughs> 
um share like and uh spread the word about this show by the way everybody do it i'm asking you and i'm telling so so not only did he agree but he was like you know i would really like to um uh, i've always wanted to be like accompanied by like some jazz musicians or something like that do you think i could uh, you think he could work that out and i was like yeah we can work that out for you. Yeah. So who's the jazziest person we've got right now? I don't know because I just listened to our artists albums and stuff. So I, I mean, I, I watched their live shows too. Cause I don't just, you know, it, it, the, the studio can do a lot of things. So if someone sends me something and they just have like one studio track and that's it. And I can't see like live stuff and whatnot. I'm like, uh, just, I can't take the chance. I don't know, even if this one song sounds good or whatever. Um, and and so uh, I don't know, but I, I know there is. Uh, there's this one band reliably bad that we're maybe getting um, that uh, they have. Uh, they're pretty jazzy, but we have a lot of funk and we almost have we're almost maxed out on psychedelic funk at the at the moment i'm that's I'm predictable carefully i'm carefully making sure that we we mix it up a fair amount that's i'm uh, desert honey is like the perfect vibe i would like to get a little more stuff like that um, i'll get some I'll, I'll play some charles mingus bass lines behind him worst case scenario that could be really fun if you did it that'd be really cool i mean he is He's about as big of a deal as they get in science. I mean, there's like there's Yuval and there's I, I'd say he's like bigger than Sapolsky in terms of he's like the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson of Israel, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. For in terms of like behavioral economics type stuff, I was like Daniel Kahneman early on, but he didn't do a, as many talks and get as popular i don't think but yeah so i'm just excited to have them and then i realized that we haven't really had a full behavioral economics episode so i thought we could riff about it a little bit i don't think we've done any economics episodes i mean i we've definitely throw in some stuff here and there for sure but not a some full the, episode not a full it. episode and his no. story is really really cool um not it's got so explosions much, in it literally <laughs> yeah i don't know exactly what happened but when he was like 16 years old uh he was in some like sort of explosion or chemical explosion and i don't know if it was a chemistry lab or you said some graduation i forgot to look into what the details of it You'd were think I used it would to be know. a chemistry lab but but the uh, first google results said at a graduation ceremony which that's got to be some graduation ceremony if any kind of explosion happened whether it was terrorist or a demonstration or like a, a light works show going on behind him seems like it might have been his idea because he wants to perform with a jazz group behind him maybe he's like can i get <laughs> Can I get like a fire torch display like the one that got James Hetfield at the Metallica concert? Like, yes. Will you sign this non-liability waiver? He's like, irrationally, yes. And then he irrationally signs that. And that's how he exploded, right? Something happened where he definitely almost died. He had horrific like third degree burns over 70% of his body. He spent like two years 
in a hospital. So he's a teenager. He spent like two years in a hospital and it was just horrific. It was two years of them having to like constantly rip bandages off of him and to like remove the dead skin. So to give you an idea, I think he's about 55 now. He still has regular surgeries. Like he's had a surgery this year. He has surgeries all of the time. If you look, he has like half of a beard, half of his face is like uh, scarred up pretty bad. And everything. yeah, at first I thought yeah. it was a goof, like not the scars, of course, but at first, you know, from far away, you see the half beard. and He's like, oh, he's trying to demonstrate the science of like facial hair versus not facial hair or something. And then you look a little closer and then you read into it, it's like, oh, no, he can't grow it on that yeah, side yeah. and then you go deeper and you're like jesus that is that is some darth vader level suffering of it it really is he he can't sign books if you come unfortunately i told him like maybe we could get a stamp Can made sign or something tits? like that but he could probably sign some tits i'll get some good ones going there <laughs> I, I bet he can sign i bet he can muster it for tits <laughs> <laughs> the tits are so powerful i mean every yeah. everyone everyone knows that um have, have you ever signed tits before i've signed some tits it's such a weird yeah. experience yeah i i guess it's not a weird experience it's just like okay i'm sorry it always just feels like so it feels Wait, like uh no <laughs> I'm joking. It's the humor episode. No, wait, it's the behavioral economics episode. Well, I'm behaving in a certain way. <laughs> Non-consensual tit signing. Wow. I'm sure it's happened. Um, so he 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 leaves me voice notes when he emails and stuff. If he has to type more than like two sentences, He'll leave a voicemail instead. That's like that's how he mostly communicates. He can't use his hands very well. Like to this day, he's still in rough shape. So he's in this predicament, and it's just horrifying. It's just two years of he's like eating out of a straw and stuff, and and uh, it it took like over a year before he could try to walk a little bit, and it was like very very difficult in the beginning, and he was always. Um, so first of all, I'm probably butchering cause it's been years since I've, I've read, uh, some of his early books. I, I, before, uh, this, I, I started, um, I read one and a half of his last two books in the, in the last couple of years. And, uh, so anyhow, he, um, he was like pleading with the nurses all of the time to like, can you just rip the bandages off can we like put it off later can does it need to be done today does it uh, can you go slower and they'd be like no you just it's better just to as the old saying goes you know you just rip the band-aid off just as fast as possible and he's like pleading with and he has like no control over you know this is just fucking horrifying and that's part of what got him into science in the area of study that he started. So then he started studying. So then he's like, well, I need some job that's somewhat flexible 
that like if I need to go in for surgery and stuff like that regularly, I can do. I need something that I like I don't need the use of my hands and it can be like, you know, an accommodating schedule um, if I'm able to like work hard enough, like flexibly. And then he started studying pain perception. And then like some of his early work, he studied pain and figured out that those nurses were wrong. <laughs> Wait, you don't have to rip off the bandaid every day? <laughs> you don't have to rip it off like just fast. You don't need to go like or rip it as, as fast as possible. And oh, so maybe they were trying to get more done during the day. I think it was just, no, I, I, I don't think that was it. I think it was caring nurses that this was just the practice that they were taught and you just go as fast as possible and get it over with. And so, so then the old he, saying he, is wrong in certain circumstances. Yeah. Hmm. So there's things like this, um, this peak end rule that we've probably talked about on the show before. Um, but if, the, we'll get the bear of repeating out. Um, <laughs> Come back the, in there. <laughs> uh, and can we take one second? Hold on one second. We're back. I thought you were going to come back dressed as the bear of repeating. Uh, no, but it reminded me that we got our first oh, it's Sandy. Huge. Yeah, it's I haven't so seen big. it with at, you. Yeah, look at that. I thought it was it's half that. that size. Yeah, look, you'll get to take pictures with a bunch of stuff. If you are on YouTube or Spotify, check this out. When I took pictures with this, people thought on a camera, it looks like it's photoshopped. Almost everyone thought that this was photoshopped. And it's not. That's just how good it looks on camera so you'll be able to come and take pictures with Ramin's art and it'll look like you're standing next to one of nice. his cartoons it's gonna be so awesome um okay so peak end rule so it, this is about the psychology of pain and and intuitively we kind of think about pain in uh almost units like how much pain did you experience in life? Well, I had uh, 10 million gigahertz of pain or something like that. You know, Pain-trons. Like, uh, Pain-trons, pain exactly. And so, uh, but it turns out that our remembering of both pain and pleasure is a lot more complicated than that. And the peak end rule is a really good example of this. So the idea with the peak end rule is that um, yes, people are taking their average experience of, say, coming to a camp out or experiencing a surgery, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it may be, and averaging it out and, and then being like, oh, that was a seven on the pain scale or, or eight on the fun scale or whatever. But it's it's a lot more complicated than that. So they definitely are doing that, but they're also remembering the peak of the experience the most, like their favorite part of the show or their absolutely most horrifying part of the painful experience. And then they're also remembering the end of the experience um, 
more as well. And your brain's kind of adding the end and the peak together. And that's dramatically influencing your memory and perception of how that experience was. So, so averaging it, it takes the peak part and then the end and then like it meets in the middle, takes the, the mean of that. Yeah, kind of. So here's like, here's a really good example that they figured out. So we're, we're maybe going to have uh Oh, not, not maybe we are going to have ice baths um, at the, uh, at the camp out for people that are into that. I'm not sold on the ice bath thing. I'll do it because I like things for like a dare. I don't think that I'm going to, you don't believe become... in cold shock proteins or stuff like that. Uh, I, I would like to interview someone and know more about it. Anytime I hear the word telomere, a red flag goes off in my mind. If someone talks about telomeres, I'm like, mm, I bet they're peddling snake oil. There's a few science words like that. Quantum physics, telomeres, and these days mirror neurons are, which mirror neurons are some of my favorite things to talk about. And they are real and they are fascinating. Uh, the way in which our, our brain like mimics other people's behavior, but they're just oversold. And it's the same thing with telomeres. It's not that telomeres aren't like awesome and exciting. Telomeres are the, the little, they're like little shoelace things in DNA. And as your DNA replicates these, the ends of them kind of become frayed over time. So if we could just get these things to stop fraying, we could live forever. Oh, no. And. Oh no. I mean, I don't know much, much about it, but I mean, I'm going to just go ahead and take the opposite bet. Not that I do it because it's uncomfortable, but the, um, the, the Wim Hof guy, it seems like they are studying him and he has done some crazy things with the, like immersing yourself in the cold and the breathing techniques. And who knows if it's the cold or if it's the fact that the cold makes you do the, the breathing technique that, Mm -hmm. uh, that gives you the, uh, you know, whatever paragraph after that, that helps sell the point more, but it feels like there's something to it. Yeah. That and his yelling. I, I mean, <laughs> there's so you have uh, to uh, use the bright to that, activate the endocrine system. I mean, so, it. so it's interesting that he talks about the endocrine system too, because so that's, endocrine. Just, uh, that's, Endocrine system, so stress response. So, so what did he inject himself with that the, that people are like, oh, he injected himself with like botulism oh, or some stuff. sort of thing. I don't and know then, that story. And then he breathed a bunch, and then it like didn't do anything. But whatever they injected him with was something that causes an autoimmune response, which would be different if it like attacked your immune system and you overcome came it. That would be more impressive to me but if you did something that like gives you an allergic response and then you just stress yourself out that delegates energy away from your immune system and 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 because you're like um suffocating yourself or whatever else that's not as impressive to me not that autoimmune diseases and disorders aren't like horrible and we shouldn't be doing things for them but 
it's one thing to be like, see, you can inject yourself with this thing and it works for that. So you can, you can, uh, breath your work your way through COVID or whatever. Like, oh no, that's the opposite. If, if what yeah, it's those doing claims is get turning a far, down but... your, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, does but what having... do you think that the ice bath doesn't do? Cause I don't even know what I think it does other than after you do a very uncomfortable thing like that, you feel good afterwards. That's, that's all I know. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I think that's, I, I think that it's a really salient experience that, you know, you get to have this mental, I don't know. I, I would, I'm interested in trying it and I'm skeptical of, uh, claims about it. I, it, it just, but what's one of the claims? Like it helps your immune system or it gives you virality or something. When I see the claims about it, it just sounds like a bunch of science jargon that doesn't make sense. And like none of the concepts make sense to me. It just sounds like fancy words being thrown out. Maybe that's what I sound like to people or maybe that's what scientists sound like to people generally. But I talk to a lot of scientists and they usually like say things in a way like, oh, I see what you mean there. And I understand the point. And if I don't know a word, I ask about it. Whereas when I hear about ice bath claims, I'm like, wait. What are all these words? This sounds like a <laughs> lot of word salad flying at me in a hurry. And but like, you don't remember any of the claims? Down? I've never looked into ice baths that much. I'm being unfair toward ice baths. Yeah, we'll have because, ice baths at the because it's yeah, it's go. not like because uh, it's not like they're selling uh, like a little you know pills of the ice bath or something. It seems like anyone can really take an ice bath. So it doesn't seem like that's right. where the money is. Like I'm going to be the ice bath peddler. That's why it seems like, no, it's probably, there's probably something to it. But also, like you said, it might just be the super salient experience that afterwards you're like, Oh, I feel great. Cause I'm, I feel alive now. Cause I did something difficult yeah. and uncomfortable. I mean, people sell like new ways of doing to-do lists or whatever else. Like we we do too. We do too. We 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 explore various like life and mental hacks all of the time that that we don't that aren't like uh, directly profitable for us, but we are hoping that we're you know gaining an audience and following from having you know this very special knowledge of this thing that's going to help people's lives in this or that way and so i i wouldn't say that anyone necessarily has like malintent in going for the ice bath thing but but i will say that it just has all of the features of a perfect placebo effect it's <laughs> it's it's very intense you're putting yourself through a whole thing. Your consciousness is immediately going to be like very susceptible to like, oh, yeah, it does this and that. And like, well, I wouldn't have just went through like five minutes of horrific uh, suffering for if it wasn't good for me. Would I know I'm a smart, rational person and I yeah. wouldn't have done something stupid like that. So it just has all the perfect features of a placebo effect. But the hell if, if it invigorates you or whatever else. Oh, my God. If you can get invigorated in life in any way, shape or form, fucking ride that wave. I don't care what it takes, really. Murder excluded. Anything else, though, no matter how unethical, 
do it. What if at the camp out we had an ice bath that one is labeled like does not work and then the other one's like this one, this one makes you like, uh, you'll feel like Joe Rogan when he was 23. So listen to this. He's only gotten stronger, by the way, Ramin. Okay, you'll feel like Joe Rogan when he's 65 or whatever he is. <laughs> you will um, literally become the Joe Rogan experience, not even the human. You will become the number one podcast in the world if you get into this ice bath. And if you get into this other one, you'll be like, just it'll be like starting your own podcast. No one will hear. I it. wish people didn't share the nipple ice bath pictures of Joe. Like, I hate that, that shit. Or it's like, I don't know. People are always like, look at that. <laughs> like, uh, there's a still shot of Rogan getting out of an ice bath and his <laughs> nipples are just like insane. They are, they're insane. And, Maybe that's the but, claim. Like, Maybe I don't, that's the claim I don't we'll do that. Care. I don't care what someone's nipples are like. like. I don't, why are we, it's so dumb when we just take a still shot of someone and be like, ha ha, look at this person, look at their nipples. You would trust, I, well, no, either you trust them because the contents of what they're saying has value or you don't trust them because they're being manipulative or giving bad information or whatever else. We don't evaluate people based on a shot of their cold nipples that's what that's not how we should be navigating <laughs> life but it seems doesn't sound like be. a nice society to me but i guess <laughs> some other country can do that i want to live in niptopia <laughs> <laughs> i have a dream where you're judged not by the contents of your character but by the hardness of your nipples after an ice bath i don't even know what photo you're talking about which is good. I'm glad that I'm not getting oh, that recommendation just Google right now. Joe Rogan's nips. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a meme. Um, so anyhow, this is a perfect lead into this. So here's the study. They had people put their hand in um, in a bucket of ice water for like, I think a minute. Maybe maybe it was two. I think it was two minutes. Let's say it was two minutes. I'm probably wrong. Let's just say it was two minutes. So that's a long time to have your arm in a bucket of ice water, which we'll find out at, at the uh, camp out. And then and they had another condition where they had people put their arm in and they uh, they keep it in for two minutes. They don't have like a countdown time. They just tell them when they're done. But then at the end of two minutes, they, without telling them, they pump a little bit of warm water in. It's not enough to make it not uncomfortable. It's still a painful experience, but it's not as painful as it was that original two minutes. So you're either getting two minutes and then stop or two minutes and then another 30 seconds of less painful pain. So if pain was measured in units, you'd be like, well, you take the two minutes of pain. The other condition is just 30 more seconds of pain, even if it's less pain. But that's when they asked people what they preferred, then they had people do do it like the two different ones and ask them which was better. And they'd randomize that they'd do one first and then the other second and, and switch it around and whatnot. They would reliably pick the one where they pumped in the warm water at the end. So the end of it was just less uncomfortable. 
and that remembering of of the end of that made it um uh made it that much less painful in people's remembering of that experience you know what i'm saying yeah that that seems obvious though am i missing something here I was I thought you were going to go the other way where people were going to pick the pure cold one more often because there wasn't a thing that changed and maybe the change is what but you're saying people reliably pick the one that gets easy at the end. Yeah, but it's easy at the end but it's an additional 30 more seconds of pain. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, the extra 30 seconds. So it's just oh, okay. extra pain that you're getting. Like you could either oh. just take your hand out. Like if they asked you, Hey, do you want to take your hand out now? Or do you want to have a little warm water and it's still painful? Oh, like you would consciously just take your hand out. That's yeah, like, yeah. would you rather have like two years in a federal penitentiary or two years in a federal penitentiary and then an additional six months in a local minimum security facility? Exactly. Like, yeah, give me the, give me the wean, wean off. No cold Turkey. Give me the wean off of it. So then, and I think this is Daniel Kahneman's work, who I, who I referenced earlier, and and he he was kind of like the founding father. Him and um, Traversky, don't rely on me for names, you know that. Um, but uh, a famous book, Thinking Fast and Slow. We should do a whole episode on that book one of these days. It's it's absolutely wonderful and uh, really good intro into these sorts of concepts but he um what's think slow i know this, think fast is when you throw like an orange at someone's head but think slow it's broken down into uh, they break it down into so this is years and years ago the these guys they won uh they won a nobel prize for economics and they weren't economists they were psychologists that proved that economics were wrong economists were wrong that economists thought like oh well if we just give people the logical way to spend money they'll adapt that logical thing if you just spell out for them hey save this much money each week and then you'll have a nice retirement and here's how much you have and they'll just know and they'll do it and if they don't what the hell is wrong with this person? And so just stupid. no one behaves that way. And so they started looking at that and changed the entire field of economics uh, from outside of economics. Um, and so, uh, and Daniel Kahneman's still alive. Um, maybe I'll get him on the show sometime. But he is. He is. Yeah. You see the so, house right next to him is like smoldering, like my missile mist. <laughs> <laughs> i should have never gave you the controls of the space station it's fucking gone it's not like to i didn't say head. what i was gonna do with you it. keep on shooting lasers at homes like for very few reasons i just like name a house and you're just so trigger happy with that death star device that we made for funsies um so um he he did this so so back at this time that he was working on this prostate exams were a horrifically uncomfortable thing my understanding although i haven't had one and i think i should i think i'm feeling swollen to. no no i think i'm just the age that you're supposed to start 40s getting, when you need the finger up there 
I don't know. I don't want to look I into it. I almost did on know. radio on KLBJ. They had a, a <laughs> prostate, a prostologist or whatever. The guy that does that. And Dale and Bob and Matt were going to get one. And then they just uh, emailed me like at night. Like, hey, do you want to come on the show tomorrow and get a prostate exam? I said, I'd love to. I've never gotten a prostate exam. And then they like ran out of time. They didn't get to do mine. I was really disappointed. I'd promoted it and everything. I was very proud. I'm like, ha, 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 I'm this crazy, goofy guy. I'm going to go get a prostate exam live on the air. And then they ran out of time, and I went home just completely un, uh, unexamined. And the doctor, didn't, the doctor didn't just give you a free one for coming in and doing the whole thing. They just, like, that's all the time that we have. Like, you you came all the way down. I, I feel like the doctor should have, like, hey, if you want a prostate exam, I'll just give you one quick. You came out of your way to do this skit. Yeah. It didn't work out, but it's still something healthy. So I guess there was like a device used way back when, and it was more intrusive and a lot more painful. And um, it goes into your throat. And then they're like, oh, (laughs) the ass. (laughs) And and so the more uncomfortable prostate exam is, the more reluctant guys are going, myself included, are going to be. To get them, the more at risk you're potentially putting yourself. Although I guess there's like been back and forth about how necessary they're they are at certain ages. They've been like pushing back the age of late. Frank Zappa got examined three times for it, and they didn't catch it. And then, like when it was swollen to the size of a grapefruit or something, then they caught it. That's how he died: prostate Jesus. cancer. Jiminy crickets! Mm-hmm. So. They applied that same logic. So they so for, first what they did was they figured out prostate exams. They figured out um, uh, they figured out what was they like, do you go really fast uh, and get it over quick? Do you go really slow? And so it's painful, but it lasts longer. And then they found that Goldie that people preferred the Goldilocks. Lube. Zone. Oh. Lube was the Goldilocks zone, <laughs> not fast or slow. <laughs> Just the non, whatever the non-dry version is. <laughs> so, so then once they had that, then they got some people in, and they. I don't know if they just had doctors try this or what. There's been a lot of different things through the years where they're like, we don't care if it's good. You just can't do it anymore. It's not ethical. Like there used to be, um, um, uh, oh, obaslep was something you could, uh, it's placebo backwards and you could prescribe it to people. And it, as a doctor, and it would work wonders. Like it that's would, so absolutely. cool. I want Obislep. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it worked wonders for people uh, because life is much about the placebo. Finding a placebo that works for you, and placebos are incredibly effective. Um, and like you said, there's so many complications with actually doing things in hospitals and whatnot and that that's true to this day um 
but uh, they. But it's so wrong because it's lying, unlike many other things. Yeah, so they've they've deemed it to be unethical. Which, Funk that. I mean, you can't take the placebo out of the doctor op- doctor's office anyway. That that means like removing the lab coat and changing the set. There's it, is it everything it's about too a obvious? hospital is like. Would like pig Latin be okay? A C blow play? I mean, I think he just can't charge people for a capsule full of nothing. You know. I mean, I, I would know. pay for the word Ostable or whatever it is. What is it? <laughs> o- I'm not o- sure. I'm not saying it right. Obisled. Obisled. Oh, I need Zach Sherwin here to like spell it out with my friend. Oh, Obklexed. Uncle Blep. Yeah, I want just if Uncle you wrote Bef. down the word Uncle Blep and signed it with a doctor's signature, I don't even need the pill. I would just look at that. Yeah. So then they they figured out that they that they should try just leaving the device in after the prostate exam is over. Just leave it in for just another minute, just unnecessarily. But don't like move it about them. Moving it is where all the pain is. But it's still uncomfortable to have the thing in your ass. <laughs> Is it the ass that's the pain? Because the prostate probably feels good. Unless it's like know. cold and metallic or something. I think it's uncomfortable no matter what. Yeah, I don't mm. I don't think it's pleasurable at all at any phase of it. I'm I'm sure maybe for some people. I don't know. Never fucked around with the prostate. I've been I've 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 been I've been uh uh, like talk <laughs> every girl wants wants to talk me into it for whatever reason it feels Ooh, like you attract every, a certain type every every long-term relationship that i've had i feel like at some point the girl's going to want to stick a finger in my ass and then it's going to become like a really important thing and it's like i this is now this is just some weird challenge because you know i'm not interested like yeah you're not (laughs) what's your finger getting off on it you're not getting anything from this so why is this important to you it's been a whole ordeal i tried I tried once. I got like half a knuckle of a pinky in. I hated it. It was. It was <laughs> Did you say that in the middle of it? Hated it. <laughs> I'm not sure you do. Steve Hernandez has a bit about like loving butt plugs and stuff, and it was like, uh, it's like, man, how are you not trying this? That's where your clit is. And then when people say no, that's gay, it's like that's not gay. A dick is gay. This is. I, I don't I don't think it's it. gay or anything like that. I just like I have a very sensitive butthole. I don't like any I hate that I have a butthole. I don't like that I have to wipe it. I don't like that it exists. I don't like that things come out of it. I don't like anything about it. Me too. And I would I, sell I, it I don't for like five dollars. <laughs> I know. Like if, if so the I rest of me didn't <laughs> Yeah. Like most of the time, I just forget that I have a butthole and then you fight. We all do it or you <laughs> shit or whatever. And and then you remember that you have a butthole and I'm like, God damn it. I hate that I have a butthole. And most of the time, my brain's just so good at forgetting that I have a butthole. I don't need more reminders. 
My butthole doesn't need more stimulation. doesn't need any more <laughs> touches. As we're talking about it, I'm comfortable in this chair right now, frankly. Just I'm 100% <laughs> in lockstep with your, with your ideology here. And it's interesting seeing the, um, seeing like a, a toddler go through this, like a witness with nephews and stuff, like how they don't want to go poop. There's just like they they think that if yeah. they wait long enough, it's like I no, I don't, I don't want to do it. They're just writhing in Fight. pain, and then and then Never it's like I know, fighting. I feel you, buddy. But yeah, this is the nature of this hell reality we're in. It sometimes must be. when dogs do it, and it just like stays on too, and then you just gotta feel bad for them as they're trying to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just watching dogs struggle just reminds you of the horrors of buttholes. So, but what was the device they though? Leave it so the in. device was was the device. You don't know what I it can't tell like. you that. No, hmm. I just know that it was far. I know the responsible thing is to have a prostate exam when a doctor tells you to have a prostate exam, and I know because uh, guys. Uh, don't have to when it comes to men having to deal with um, uh, butthole discomfort like the world bends all over backwards to like figure <laughs> out solutions to our butthole discomfort when it comes to women it's like oh well you got depression we'll give you the pill that we only tested on male rodents and not female <laughs> whatever I'm sure it's all the same shit uh, here, here's some fucking cotton to fucking jam up there to get that <laughs> and thing. And here's to a stop. tax on that. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah. pay tax on the cotton because it's it's got a pink package. Yeah, the woman tax is fucked up. It is fucked up. So uh, they left it. In. Sure enough, everyone that had the thing, not everyone, you know. There's this, there's there's always, uh, but. Quite predictably, people would prefer having the prostate exam where it was left up there. They didn't know. They didn't. The, the, as far as they knew, that was just the way of prostate exam. So, like, if they were doing that in a modern day, you would you would just give someone a prostate exam and then like check your phone for a minute or two <laughs> afterwards, and you're gonna have a much happier patient. Yeah, basically is the takeaway. So that's that's a big part of the peak end rule. But that that's that's more so we've focused on on the end more, but the peak is just more intuitive, you know. You go to mm -hmm. you go to an amusement park, you're gonna remember your favorite part of that amusement park. You do do some like you have a really hard day or whatever, you're going to remember the worst part of that day, like a little more than and probably forget some of the good things that happen and whatnot. Oh, so yeah. that's good things are the most forgettable things we forget. <laughs> yeah. So that's the peak end rule. And and so Dan, this is this is Dan Ariely's like early stuff um inspired by his own uh, journey with managing pain and figuring this out and then it, but he would also like once he became kind of known for this he would help other people that were uh you know going through painful experiences and hospitals and stuff and it became a big aspect of his study he's just a great dude and he's done a zillion things but he's also he 
almost none of his work now has to do with pain and it hasn't for a long time. That was just like the very start of it. And then he just branched off into all of these uh, understanding perception generally, and especially all the quirky ways in which we spend money and then the ways in which we um, uh, lie to ourselves and others and makes a Every lot day. of like, yeah, not to others. Uh, I know. I don't, I don't lie. I, I lie to myself so much, but I have, I have a, I have like a real, uh, you know, ethics and morality when it comes to lying to others. I'm like, I have to be honest with myself. It's just cause who's, you know, like who's fucking, who's the referee? Like I'm the referee. I'm the judge. Um, you can make yeah. so many allowances for things you have little cheats uh, you have like i'm only going to do this at certain things on who else is looking it's just you and by the way you're going to be better tomorrow or next year anyway so why not indulge a little bit today i'm going to be sharper and richer in the future <laughs> yeah. wrong dumb less bank account <laughs> exactly so so that's a ton of his work so uh, he does a lot of stuff on motivation and intrinsic motivation versus external motivations that the the things that like drive us internally that inspire us versus just getting a paycheck for something and uh I don't even know what stuff of his to talk about first because he just has so much amazing stuff. So I'll just start going. But I don't, did you read or did you watch rather the video that I sent you by chance? I uh, haven't seen it. In like the morality. It's fine if you didn't. We send each other texts all the time with various yeah, I'm just things. looking at the thumbnail of it. So I remember which one because I watched some other ones, not the one you recommended, but also I had seen the one you recommended. Mm. Um that's not it. That's Stacy's mom. I don't know why I, these are here. And now it's because dead we talked air bear. about we talked about postmodern jukebox with the desert. Oh honey, yes, so yes, I, yes, yes. Where so is I'm, it? No, let's let's go it's into fine. it. And then if, if I don't remember, it, I'll lie about it. It doesn't matter at all. Um, it's almost better that you didn't watch it. Um, oh, then in that case, I watched it twice. So. <laughs> So I don't remember predictably irrational, not that it wasn't memorable. It's just I have the the work in it is so it predictably irrational hits so many of the 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 big like uh, um, behavioral economics studies that are used over and over again that I don't remember which was in that book and which was in like various other books that I've read. But his um, his honest truth about dishonesty is really interesting, um, it, and and it and you can kind of see the arc of of his work and how he then applied that to how we um, spend money and the stories that we tell ourselves. So he is the master of doing insanely cheap studies that reveal a lot. So you have like, you know, various undergrads and stuff come in for a study for like pretty cheap. And then and you you pay them very little for these studies and everything. And 
And so of all of the, of all the things in science that, that take all uh, like, you know, so much funding to do this or that, to figure out some new compound or whatever, his budget on some of these studies is insane. Cause it's just like so simple and it gets down to the bottom of life. And so, uh, one of his things is he, he'll prime people to cheat in various scenarios. Um, so what he'll do is he'll, uh, he'll, you, you take like this, uh, this grid test, there's a matrices, there's like 10 questions or something like that. And he knows that in 10 minutes, the average person can answer six of them. Some people answer like five, some people answer seven or eight or something like that. But, but never then, 10. Yeah. And you, and then you have people do, uh, then you prime people in a bunch of different conditions to see how people, uh, how honest people will be about it. So one is you just have people self-grade their own test. And so when you know the average is six and then the average that people turn in as a seven, then you know almost everyone is kind of bumping up their score a little bit. And you find out when you talk to people afterwards that usually it's like, well, I was going to put C for this one, but I switched my mind to B. And so when when we self-graded and it was C, I just like changed it back to C because that's what I thought originally. Like I knew that I just marked the wrong thing. So we just tell ourselves the story about why it was right to lie on a thing. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. And so they have all these conditions where they'll they'll like take a paper shredder and they'll have people like hey when you're done with the test just turn it in here and put it in the shredder and then tell us what your score is and we give you like five dollars for every right answer that you had or whatever and they were expecting people be like i got a perfect 10 or whatever and that's not what people do but people do lie People, people give themselves an extra one or an extra two. So they'll give themselves a seven or an eight. Some people will be like, I got a 10. See you, sucker. I'd be walking but, out of there with 50 bucks for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, but, but the thing is, in the paper shredder, it's a fake paper shredder. And it keeps oh, the I guess it's, it's just, a, yeah, it's just a scanner instead of just scans. But there oh, was funny instead of shredding it. So it's like for the cost of a paper shredder, you're like getting down to the bottom of all, all of these really interesting things. That's the opposite of one. It not only doesn't destroy it, it makes a digital version of it. It replicates it. Yeah, yeah. And so you can prime that in a bunch of ways. But here's what's really interesting. If you have people, so it's like, oh, okay, so these people are lying. But they're actually lying to themselves much more than lying to you in a way, which is, is that if you ask people, you go, okay, test number two, it's the exact same amount of challenging test or whatever. The average score is the exact same. And you get paid based on um, a mix of, of what you score and what you estimated that you'll score. 
how many do you think you will score on this? And if, if you're like more accurate in, in your estimation, you get uh, more of a reward. And people Wouldn't people tank it then? Well, they also get paid for each correct answer. But in oh, addition the to that, they get, a bon- they get a bonus for... And and so they um, so the people that said that they the people that got a six, they actually got a six. The scanner shows that they told them that they got a seven or an eight, whatever they told them. That's what they also guessed that they would get on the next test. So they're lying to them like they believed it themselves because they're telling again that story, which I kind of like probably spoiled a little bit ahead of time in my order in which I should be telling this stuff is is that is that people are telling themselves the story of like, oh, I knew that I would get that next time. Therefore, I deserve that thing. So Mm. the main thrust of his book is like if all of the pens go missing in an office, it's not because there's a pen bandit. (laughs) It's because everyone took a pen or whatever. And there, then you look at the ways. It's not Lee Harvey Oswald. It's the FBI. (laughs) That's not the right comparison. Usually (laughs) your metaphors are right on, but that one missed the mark. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike Lee Harvey Uh, Oswald. um, So the idea is, um, uh, you you can there's certain conditions in which people will cheat a lot more so if if you were to say um uh, there was like a box full of money around the office or something like that and and uh someone took a a dime or a dollar out of it or whatever that would be considered stealing. But if someone takes a pen that's worth a dime or a dollar, it's like, well, that's just, you know, it's around the office. That's just everyone does it. So it's just kind of OK. You know, this this bleeds into downloading music um, illegally back when that was a thing. Um, and now we just stream and kind of pouring the, and, and it just becomes like kind of socially acceptable of like, oh, we all do it. So it's. It's an okay thing to do. And he did all these, he did a bunch of studies that now I'm not remembering that are like, he, he would have a vending machine give incorrect change. That was, Oh, I remember this one. Yeah. Too much. Do you? I I I don't remember exactly how it went. No, I don't remember the, um, the conclusion of it, but I do remember the, the vending machine that gives incorrect change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, so that bleeds into how we spend money, which is we kind of tell ourselves a bunch of different stories about how we spend money. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of categorization that we do. Whereas like a, a, a lot of his point is a dollar is a dollar is a dollar is a dollar from an economist perspective, but our mental accounting works way differently than that. We have Mm -hmm. a food account. We have a fun account. We have a bills account. 
And then we sort of like negotiate with ourselves and tease and borrow. And and there's all these factors like swiping credit cards is easier because it's not you're not handing over the cash necessarily. Yeah. The chip, the chip I've noticed, like swiping a card for a grocery bill, let's say you're paying like 70 bucks or something like that versus I mean, the amount doesn't even matter. I don't know why I brought that up. The uh, the chip. If you're using a chip, it's like, oh, cool. I got it for free. I didn't have, mm-hmm. even have to swipe my card. I just put my chip on top of it, and then it made the little ding sound. But right. it's not free. Yeah, but it's you don't have to pay till later, and you're going to be doing better financially later anyway so what's it gonna matter (laughs) you know yeah once you you're broke right now but like three weeks from now when you accrue all that wealth from that hard work you're going to be doing tomorrow or next week (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. you'll pay that off no problem i yeah future me i'll take care of it (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah so tons of work like that and and we can really explore that a bunch in the future and then he does a lot of um so maybe we'll dedicate uh more of a full episode just to those concepts specifically and and certain priming Uh, because because there's all sorts of weird like one of the studies that came to mind uh that he figured out was there was some newspaper subscription that he worked on he, he works with various businesses and he figured out that uh he he gave this uh he did this study and figured out that people would pay it's like 60 dollars for an online subscription to a newspaper or 120 dollars for a physical version of the newspaper or 120 dollars for a physical and digital subscription to the paper and what do you what do you think most people picked most people um so for it's for a year or something like a subscription yeah, like for let's say a year so digital like is 60 for a year 120 is physical for a year and then both and, is 120 yeah um i think people picked the regular physical one no, no one picked that. Everyone picked okay, they the picked digital the digital and physical. And no, no, everyone picked most everyone picked the digital and physical. And then uh, uh, and, and because the no one picked just the physical because why would you because you also get the digital one as well. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, it comes getting, free with the other one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh and but the interesting thing was was then when he got rid of the inferior option, he got rid of the just physical for 120, and it was 120 for physical and digital versus 60 for the digital. Then what do you think people picked? Then people switched to pure dig. Pure digital. And so it's like so, pe- we're, mm. we're always trying to figure out the frame. We don't have a frame of reference for what things are supposed to cost. So so by adding he figured out that just by adding like ridiculous options 
<laughs> that it would prime people into thinking they were getting bargains on things that they I otherwise that. wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is somewhat related, not maybe not exactly in line with it, but I used to have a haggle button on my website. I took it away because I, I got tired of having to answer questions and stuff. I have too many emails and things right now, but yeah, yeah. it was it it's was fun, fun to like this. Yeah, this thing is $20, but show me what you got like what do you, what can you afford 10 5 plus a song or something and yeah, a lot of people yeah, like yeah. The, just the fact that there was a haggle button or like with our patreon the fact that we have a lunatic option and then the 200 yeah. tier doesn't seem as high now that there's a $10,000 one yeah yeah and yeah yeah just yeah interesting price uh exactly. have we talked about the 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 double um someone was trying to sell this jewelry that they had too much of and they told one of the employees to mark it as 50% off and they accidentally wrote it in a way that it was 2 2x instead of save half off it was doubled in price and it sold out the same day because people saw that the price doubled and were like oh shit we better get this now <laughs> that's really interesting because it's yeah the price is going up so this is mm -hmm. a scarce commodity with a lot of value. Yeah, that's uh, one, one of the big anecdotes. Uh, similarly, as JCPenney, it's a big reason why JCPenney went under was there was... Oh, it's gone now? This, Didn't even notice. I think it still exists in some regions, but Just you know, commercials and stuff are going away. But There's it was, no more when physical I was a JC kid, Penny. it was a JCPenney catalog. That's what I would look through to circle the presents that I wanted for Christmas. I'd sneak a peek at the lingerie section <laughs> too while I was there. And it was a whole thing. And and what happened was some C so JCPenney was was the their whole game was they were they were basically the same price as anyone else, but they would just increase what they said the retail price was by like 40 percent. And then they'd be like, everything's 40 percent off this week and people would go crazy. So you're paying the same price ultimately as anything else. But it felt like 40 percent off because you don't know what like for a 60 dollar shirt. You don't know what makes a shirt worth $60 necessarily, you know? I don't think I've ever had a $60 shirt. Oh, I've had far more expensive shirts than that. I bet this oh, is nice. I bet this is like over a $100 shirt right here. And nice. I don't know what what it make what makes it be that. <laughs> but I mean it looks good. I know I trust my taste, but it's probably not worth whatever I paid for it. Um, but uh, I, so we don't have a good frame of reference, but if you, if, if it's like 40% off, it feels like you really got a bargain. And one day a new CEO came into JCPenney and he's like, you know what? We're going to have a more honest relationship with our customers and they had this fair and honest pricing where there are no more sales just everything costs what it costs and it's competitive with everyone else around and a mistake 
they lost like nearly a billion dollars that year <laughs> in a second uh. probably <laughs> like i'm 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 taking business away from them just hearing about this and that's already happened in the past yeah i'm like retroactively making them go even more bankrupt just by hearing that yeah no, you yeah. want to you want to lie in a way that makes people feel good like they're they're pulling a fast one on you mhm they should do that at grocery stores where like accidentally like, like they should make everything a little more expensive, but hire uh, cashiers that like don't scan the thing properly and then put it in. So it's like the cashiers here sometimes slip every time I go. They they don't scan something in. So I end up saving like $20. That's not, a, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, but it's built into the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The slippery grocery store. Yes. Uh, have you been to Slippery's? I swear the fucking <laughs> cashier is there. Slippery as fuck. They'll just... I don't know. If you just spark up a nice conversation with them, they'll just not scan a couple items. <laughs> I love that. Um, so then just to give like a little more of an overview, he does a ton of stuff on kind of what motivates us and a lot of things about how, uh, you know, like Wikipedia and lots of other companies were, were built in people's downtime. And so he, he goes to businesses and kind of usually introduces ideas of just why not have one day each week where just there's no bad ideas. Everyone can just bring in whatever they have. They get to work this was what was it maybe zappos or some company introduced this and i think he primed it where once a week people could work on whatever they wanted to rather than doing their regular job they could work on whatever they wanted to but at the end of the the day they would have to show people what they were working on and that day ended up being like the most productive day all of the time because people got to work on their pet projects and stuff and the things that mm. they cared about a bunch and so a bunch of stuff like that some of the fun things that they did was they would have people um building like lego set things and then they'd for like you'd come in and be like we'll give you like seven dollars to build a lego set and they'd finish and be like do you want 620 to build another one like, okay i'll build another one because you know legos are kind of fun it's not much money but whatever it's kind of fun to do now do you want like 570 and they just keep on dropping it by whatever 30 60 cents or something like that until eventually people would stop but if you just ask people if they wanted to build another lego set they wouldn't do that and and then they figured out like various conditions where people would stop and one was the Sisyphean condition, which is a bunch of I different ways. <laughs> After you're done, the experimenter just starts disassembling it <laughs> right, right in front of you. All of your work for not, and people fucking cannot stand that. That's fun and with toddlers. But I mean, I think because, you know, going in and it's not Legos, but, you know, the the, the classic game of build block tower and then the, the toddler is going to come smash it before 
you're even done building it and if they yeah. they're really good they'll wait until it's smash time and then it's like okay now it's smash <laughs> yeah, but with yeah. legos yeah you felt like you built something like good and part of your part of your yeah. soul went into it but that's got to be so fun to smash the lego set in front of them for 620 <laughs> yeah but if you do it if you did it the other way and smashed the to- toddler's lego set they wouldn't be as happy about it you know yeah and and it is also things need to be th- things need to be people's own ideas they they need to be thinking that they're making the decision on their own they can't be forced to do this thing it needs to be their choice or it needs to be felt as if it's their choice and then um there's other conditions so this is where like the ikea effect comes from which is they had people make a bunch of um uh a Lurgan bunch of swans oh swans a bunch a bunch of uh, uh what what do you call those things the paper paper, paper swan yeah what but what's the uh origami uh, origami yeah you have them make origami swans and you have a bunch of different conditions after they've made the origami swans you offer to sell them to them like well we're keeping these but if you want on the way out of the study you can buy your origami swan and people would and then they would also offer the origami swans someone else had made to other people and people would pay like nothing for an origami (laughs) swan that someone else made but if you made the origami swan you would pay to get to leave with that and would would they give the money up front and it's taken it out of the money you already got or people would come in with money and leave a psychological experiment five dollars poorer because they wanted the swan they made money they got from the experiment they would still leave but i think there's a few different conditions and then they would they would make the directions harder to understand and the more difficult the directions were which led to crappier swans the more people loved their swan and wanted to take it home this is more challenging they had to figure it out on their own and that's much of the that's why it's called the ikea effect we have a fondness for the, the furniture that we built and figured out ourselves i have this rack here that i just picked up at target because there wasn't any closet the like bars or anything here it's an unfinished house that i'm in for the most part and so i, I just got some simple stuff to put together quick and i was just having a heck of a time with with like one aspect of it that was just not making sense and i'm like what a piece of junk why is it built like this this thing's sliding and then i just saw like this one spacer that i had missed that i wasn't putting in the particular component and when i figured that out i put it all together i was like yes i built this piece (laughs) of shit shelf with two bars between two cheap shelves and had i not struggled to figure out that thing from simple instructions that i just didn't pay enough attention to i probably wouldn't like this as as much no that's what gives it its its personality and i think of what it what do people that actually build houses what is that experience like to to understand not that they're physically putting it all in but if you're one of those people done it was a you're a contractor that 
knows the electrical setup, knows where it could have been done a little better here, knows where the foundation's a little weak here, the drywall, like, yeah, that part was kind of screwed up, but no one will ever know, but you're, like, I know it with little fixtures around here, but I know nothing about the electricity or drywall or plumbing in the house, insulation. This is an anecdote about that in in uh, one of his last books. Um, I think it's so, something or other to do with motivation. I don't remember the name of the book. And we got to wrap up in a minute. Um, but um, but yeah, he had uh, he had a contractor come to his house and he made the observation like it wasn't the best contractor. He took a long time. It wasn't the best job. And then he had one project where he was putting in a sauna and he wanted a handmade and like he had these design ideas and worked on the design ideas with the contractor and the contractor just loved making this thing and was like so excited and brought his own ideas into it and was like so proud and showed him every piece and like what he did there and here were his ideas here. And the idea is like, well, everything else was already existing and it, and he was just making a slight improvement, like putting slightly better windows in or something. Mm-hmm. And you don't like feel it. You don't see the end result, but building a sauna that's custom made, that's never been made before and figuring out how to do that, it primes that uh, intrinsic motivation. Ah. Uh. And then the rest of the house collapses on the sauna because you did a shitty job with the rest <laughs> yeah. of it. But if you're in the sauna, you'll be safe because the sauna's reinforced very well and built correctly. So uh, the rest of the house can collapse. <laughs> like the black uh, box joke from like 80s stand-up. I clicked on a on a random 80s stand-up thing and I can't believe I found the actual bit. I know hundreds of people have done the bit, but... I saw an actual video of, uh, I think it was Brad Garrett going like, whenever the plane crashes, the they, everyone's dead and the plane's gone, but the black box survives. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? And I found uh, the people actual... people go ape shit? Yeah. <laughs> like the first time they heard that, I bet they yeah. went in, in the 80s, all you had to do is just wear a red shirt and say, how you doing? It was like, you'd kill it. <laughs> Guys, uh, that's the end of this show, and we'll expand on Dan's work and related topics a bunch in the future because it's expansive. But you can come to the Camp Out Festival in Raleigh September 9th through 11th, camping till the 12th Thursday Patreon day if you want to come and have a more intimate experience with the boys. And um, and Dan's going to be there. There's going to be a whole bunch of uh, folks. Herman Ponser talking about the evolution uh, of festivals from Hunter Gatherer to today. Stephen Churchill with the fossil display. Marty Hazelton, Jeff Larson talking about cognitive biases. Keith Markman talking about the psychology of conspiracy theories. Favorite subjects of mine. Cole Marta talking about psychedelic therapy. Sophia Rockland talking about her book, When Plants Dream, all about ayahuasca. Peter McGraw talking about solo traveling. Whole bunch more people being booked soon. We got music from Desert Honey, as you heard. Unica Prong, as you heard. The uh, No, you haven't heard yet. We'll play it in the future. The Right Ave, Slick Mahoney's. Uh, Julia, that you heard at the beginning. Grace Elliott, Duck. A whole bunch more. Um, 
being booked. So check it out. Please support us on Patreon. Um, and uh, if if um, if you have it in your heart to write a review, uh, this is uh, the the festival. If you're like, oh, I can't make it. Well, this is our big push to make this first year a success to also build more of a following for this podcast and to be able to do it in more regions and things eventually. So anything that you can do in terms of Patreon support and stuff is both desperately needed and very much appreciated. So stop telling yourself this little story that it's okay to not support us on Patreon because it's not people will and you will next month or whatever. Come on, support your boys because we have a bunch of awesome uh, content and you'll get free bonus episodes. You got anything to add, Ramin? Otherwise, I'm going to finish this outro. Um, um, uh, the Patreon, the five uh, stars, the review, the like, share, it. subscribe, the thumbs up, the comment, clip it and ship uh, it, clip it and ship it. Oh, uh, Rebecca Todd is going to be, uh, she's probably the most, uh, everyone's very excited, uh, around here when they hear Rebecca Todd on the lineup. She is very talented. We're going to outro with her song can't sleep because for me and I are recording this at night. So why not? And a very talented musician. And until next time, keep on salivating honeys. It's when I'm